Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I'm a licensed psychologist here in Georgia, and it is time for the tea. Tea time with Dr. Tarver was created to help people reach their wellness goals. It is not intended to be a substitute for therapy, but more of an opportunity to provide additional resources to help people on their wellness journey to be the best version of themselves. So as we know, we are in March and it is Women's History Month. And so I have been doing a series this month on women and mental health. And today's topic was inspired by a book by Renee Watson, Piecing Me Together. And it is about a young girl who is in high school. She's at a predominantly white high school uh, that she takes a, a long bus ride to get to in order for her to have some more opportunities. But what happens at this high school is that she's invited to participate in a mentorship group uh, with other uh, black girls and black women. And she's a little bit upset about the fact that she was chosen for, for this mentorship group as if she's broken and somehow needs to be rescued. But one of the things that she says that led to the title for this podcast is she's watching her mother who works very hard in a, a domestic servant capacity uh, watching her mother rest is uh, there is no peace for her, not even in her dreams. And so we are going to be talking today about women and self-care. So as you all probably are very aware, there are a lot of stigmas. We talked in the last podcast about gender bias, but there's a lot of stigma about women and our inevitable strength that we have to be able to endure a lot of things, take care of people, uh, nurture other people, allow people to grow, be that rock. And so that comes with a lot of, I think, expectations that women end up placing on ourselves and that other people place on us about our own ability to be able to care for ourselves, not being as important as our value in being able to take care of other people. And so what ends up happening is you will see women start to focus more on others and neglect themselves in the process, right? So we talk about, well, I need to focus on my children and making sure they're okay. I need to focus on my partner. I need to focus on my church members. Um, I need to make sure that I am doing well in my career. I need to work hard. I have bills to pay for. Um, I will worry about myself later. I don't need much rest. I, I have to hustle and get things done. We also get into this habit of feeling like we can be support for other people. People can come and dump onto us, but that we don't trust other people to share with them. We uh, believe that the only person that we can count on is ourselves. And so we don't even give a lot of times the opportunity for people to be able to support us. And so what ends up happening is people don't. They don't ask about us. They don't check on us. We have practiced uh, this procedure of not wanting to be a burden, if you will, to people. And we have begun to believe this myth that engaging in self-care means that I'm selfish. And so we don't even really believe that we are worthy of, of taking care of ourselves. So this, these self-inflicted stereotypes that we have become accustomed to sets up these unrealistic expectations that we have for ourselves and, and others who we are frequently uh, disappointed with and, and also has us creating some, some negative uh, narratives about our own worth. So where do these things come from? You know, I, I like to talk a lot about cognitive distortions because these are the things that undergird where some of our beliefs come from. 
why we act in the way that we do. We know that thoughts guide behaviors. And so we have these negative core values that we have attributed um, to ourselves and, and, and negative perceptions that we have of others based on experiences that we have had that lead us to these falsities about taking care of ourselves. So um, one big one, I will right, start with this one, is we expect other people to do what we do. So if you are the woman who is involved in multiple organizations and you remember people's birthdays and anniversaries and you always have a kind word to give to people and you're supporting uh, people's different events and you are the person who people look to for encouragement, then you think sometimes that other people will do the same thing you do. And so we get frustrated with people because we don't feel like we should have to ask them to do things for us that they should automatically do them because again, this is what we do. So instead of communicating what we actually need, we hold this silent resentment, it begins to come out in other ways, this silent resentment that we have toward people because they have not given us what we never asked them for, but in our heads they should know. And this, this uh, ends up being a conflict in a lot of relationships uh, because people are upset with partners, upset with family members, upset with friends because they feel like these folks are not there for them. But then again, I've set up this dynamic, I've set up this expectation because we do treat pe teach people how to treat us. I've set up this expectation that I don't need anything from you because I'm doing all of this stuff for you. And so you think, well, you're good, right? So if uh, what is the saying, the squeaky wheel gets the, the oil. So if you don't say anything, then how are people going to be even aware that you need anything? Because we tend to respond to people when they ask us, as opposed to assuming what they may need. And this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy for us because we already believe we can't count on people. And here we go, um, getting evidence, we may think, for that because people aren't there for us when we haven't given them the opportunity. It's hard for us to ask for help. Um, a lot of women struggle for, with asking for help because there is this fear of being perceived as weak. Um, but there's also this perception that because other people in my life have let me down previously, and, and frequently these are caregivers, some of our earliest childhood experiences, then now, and this comes to the distortion piece, I perceive that other people will let me down as well. Other people will not respond to me when I ask. And so I don't believe it's possible for me to get what it is I need. And so I stop asking because I don't feel like it's, it's a possibility. So why bother? The other thing is sometimes we don't know how to ask for help. It is easy for us to be able, when people ask us for help, to accommodate them, to try to, to be able to assist them. But we find it hard to state those words. Some people literally can't even form the sentences. It gives them severe anxiety to be able to ask someone for help, that embarrassment, that shame that we carry along with us from past experiences, again, that have built up. And so now I don't want to be rejected, right? And I, I don't want you to think less of me. Um, and, and I don't want you to think that I'm broken in, in some cause that you need to, to uh, fight to fix, right? So I don't want to be presented in that way because of the negative stereotypes that I have about other women who have asked for help or, or who I perceive have done things to put them in situations. I don't want to be one of those women. So it's difficult for me to ask for help. Um, 
and, and sometimes we struggle with being able to even understand what we need. So for a lot of women, it is hard to put into words. And I think about when uh, we experience grief. This is a, um, a common example of how difficult it can be for, for women to ask for help. So you lose a partner, uh, a child, a, a parent, um, and people send you this message. They call you, however they get in touch with you, about, hey, what can I do? And you literally don't know because you have not been in a situation where people have done for you. And sometimes we're very private. We don't want people to be in our lives. We don't want to be exposed. We don't want them to see uh, who we are. We're so afraid um, that they will think negatively of us if they know who we really are, um, that that will be found out as an imposter or um, that that's, people will see the cracks. And so we don't want to give people that kind of access to us. And so sometimes we don't respond or we say, I'm fine. Really, it's not that I'm fine. Uh, it's that I don't even know what I need because I haven't taken stock myself to know what I need. We have um, been in situations, I think, too, as women where when we have attempted to do things for ourselves and we have attempted to, to launch that business or um, to be able to um, step out of our comfort zone, um, ask people to go do things with us, invite people to things, plan something, hasn't been supported, it hasn't come to fruition. Um, and, and so what we internalize about that is if I try to do something for myself, then something bad happens. My plans get canceled. People don't end up showing up for me. Um, I, I, again, can only count on myself. So why would I want to do something for me? There's, there's embarrassment, there's shame, there's fear, there's uncertainty uh, when we try to do things for ourselves. But impossibly because we've had some experience with failure in the past. It hasn't worked out. It didn't last. And so in my mind, then the construction of my reality becomes the stuff that I do for me will fail. The stuff that I do for other people, that's the stuff that's going to last. And, and we have some things uh, in, in uh, Christianity that actually support that. And so we internalize then um, that other things or other people are more important or more valuable than me. Um, I think there's this piece of us, we build relationships, right? Every, every behavior serves a purpose. So we build these relationships based on these gaps that we have and these needs we have. And so we have constructed these false relationships, which is what confirms these biases that we have about people being there for us. So I have this wound. I get involved with said person who uh, I perceive is filling this wound for me, is filling this hole. And so what I'm doing is I'm setting up this dynamic that love cost, that I have to do things for people in order for them to accept me, um, that again, my worth is based on who is in my life. And so I'm, I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm listening to you, I'm watching your children, I'm picking up uh, people for you, I'm, I'm letting you use my car even though it's making me late for the things that I need to do. Um, I'm, I'm at your beck and call uh, when you reach out to me because I've internalized that it is more important for me to be available to you. And, and I have, right, a need to be needed and to be valued by you person. I've, I've connected my worth to what I do for you, to how you reinforce me when I do things for you or, or I feel like I'm getting reinforced. 
to the point where we lose ourselves. And this goes to back to that whole, I don't even know what I need because I have connected who I am to this other person or to these other people. And I can only see uh, being there for them. And so I, I, um, I have had people tell me that they love another person more than they love themselves, right? That they, that they value having this person's attention or having this person's worth uh, attached to them or, or, or being accepted um, by this person as more important, they prioritize that as, as one of the basic needs that they have. And we do have a need for love and sometimes it is that love we are seeking from others that really makes us struggle with loving ourselves and being able to take care of ourselves. Uh, so why would I engage in self-care if I believe that the care I get from you is more valuable than the love I can give myself? And, and when we connect our worth to other people or, or we connect our worth to what we can do for other people, then that begins to be the way that we see ourselves. I'm the responsible one. I'm the smart one. I'm the pit bull. If you need anything done, you contact me. I'm the oldest. Uh, so that means I, I take care of everyone. And it makes these very conditional relationships, these if-thens. So if I do these things, then I'll have this worth, then I'll have this value. Again, not placing myself as important in that value scale. Um, and, and if I'm not doing something for other people and it's not valuable, then I'm lost, right? If it has no worth, if I have no worth because I'm not doing something to contribute to someone else, then we can see why we fall into these depressive patterns, um, feel extremely lonely, feel these gaps because we're not going to constantly be validated by other people. It's impossible. Or we're going to constantly be trying to seek it from other people that are unhealthy. And this perpetuation of this rejection that's fueling these distortions I have about myself, right? So there's a flaw in the way that I'm approaching this. And we, we've discussed that sometimes the coping skills that we learn, the ways that we learn to survive early on, they become outdated, but we don't ever update them to now let me replace this with more accurate uh, thoughts about myself and, and my worth. We tend to confuse caring with fixing people, with saving people, right? We, we get to a point where, and some of this is about us again, and our need to be needed. We want to control things. We want to be involved. I've seen mothers who want to be really involved in their children's lives or their nieces and nephews or um, their siblings and their parents. Like, I want to have that control. I want you to need me. So I set up this dynamic where you come to me for everything so I can have some control over your life. Because again, I have attached my worth, uh, to, to being able to do things for you and, and, and to you needing me. And so because now you're dependent on me, now I've got all this financial stress and I've got all this psychological stress is dumping everything on me. I've got all this physical stress is um, wearing in my body. And I feel like I'm tired and I get resentful and I complain, but I continue to engage in this dynamic. And while I'm complaining, I'm, I'm writing you a check. While I'm complaining, I'm still on the phone with you, listening to all your, your, your issues that you have. While I'm complaining, I'm, I'm picking up your children. I'm running the program at church, right? So meanwhile, it's killing me, but at the same time, I feel like I'm saving you. And so that's where my worth is. And then we also have set up this dynamic to where we think that no one is perfect 
So I need to accept people the way they are. And this again speaks to some of the things that uh, we have internalized um, from our Christian upbringings that have made us have a false understanding of what it means to accept people. I can accept you having your flaws. That doesn't mean we have to be involved in a relationship. That doesn't mean I have to take care of you. Uh, but we have connected those things. And so here person uh, that I keep getting involved with that doesn't have a job, that doesn't have transportation, that um, is, is causing me more problems trying to uplift them. Uh, but, but I feel like that's what I should be doing, the shoulds, right? Because that's what I'm called to do. I'm called to um, take care of you person and, and see past all of these things as opposed to recognizing that we're not equally yoked, whether it's in a friendship or a romantic relationship or even in terms of work um, or, or service. We're not equally yoked. We're not bringing the same types of things to the table. I'm doing more for much less um, and I've come to be okay with that because I think that's how relationships should be right relationships have a cost it's one of those distortions as well and so I think this is how it should be so I've set up this dynamic again that I continue to get involved with people who drain me instead of give to me so I can't take care of myself when I'm over here being drained uh, right. I probably barely have enough energy to do what I'm doing for you. So that is going to make it much less likely that I do something for myself. And, and all of these things really speak to valuing other people more than we value ourselves. A good mother puts her children first. A good partner puts her partner first. A woman of God is always willing to serve to whom much is given, much is required. Right. So these things that we end up building on and don't get me wrong, these things come from a good place. But what they are steeped in are these distortions about that. I have to give you everything, all of me and, and neglect me in the process. A good mother is a mother who takes care of herself first so she can have the ability to take care of her children. Because if I'm not getting enough rest, if I'm not getting enough to eat. If I am depleted, I can't pour into you children because I'm empty. But because we have been taught to be other focused, to value people more than we value ourselves, then that leads to us being exploited and abused um, and undervalued. And this becomes that perpetual cycle uh, in our lives. And it shows up when we end up in the doctor's office because we're having heart palpitations or, or drooping in our face or headaches. Uh, or I'm not sleeping well, or, or my gut is all uh, out of whack, or my blood pressure is high, or I've, I've had a cardiac event, right? So why is self-care so important? And, and what can we do to change these behaviors? Self-care is very important because we want you to be able to have what you need to be able to do what you have been called to do. And we think I give people the example of cars all the time um, because that seems to be more palatable for people. So I can't drive my car when it's on empty. Uh, have you ever tried to go up a hill when when that fuel light is on and you down to like a few gallons of gas? Your car can't get over a hill. Your cars will start shutting off things when you don't have enough gas. That air, turn it off. <laughs> right? Because it, it's like, hey, we got to conserve energy that 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 we have if you don't go get your oil change what happens to your car your engine locks up 
right? You don't get those tires, uh, new tires, and, and you're running around, uh, driving around on bald tires, what's going to happen, right? You're going to end up having one of those tires is, is just going to come apart, and you're going to end up uh, having, a, having a wreck, God forbid, something worse, um, because you haven't taken care of that car, right? The car needs maintenance like we. We need maintenance. So let's talk about what my oil change and getting new tires um, and getting serviced will look like. So um, this book that uh, actually one of my clients recommended, and it's called The Self-Care Prescription, uh, Robin Gobbin, Ph.D., um, and it is what is going to guide the recommendations for this podcast. If you are new to self-care, I, I would encourage you to, to start with some basic things, right? So let's just make sure we're getting enough sleep. Let's make sure we're getting enough to eat. Let's make sure we're getting enough hydration. Let's make sure you're in a safe place. Let's make sure your, your housing is taken care of, right? So we want the basic things taken care of because if you don't have that foundation, it's going to be really difficult for you to take good care of yourself. So you're at home in an abusive, toxic environment, then it's going to be tough for you to be able to do some of these um additional steps. So, uh, so let's make sure that we got the basics covered. Uh, it, we need probably on average about seven hours of sleep. Now, uh, some people deal um, with less sleep than that. And I recognize that, that people have had different experiences in their lives that have shaped them. That might've been shift work. That might've been military service um, that they can function with five, six hours of sleep. Some people take naps, but in, in general, on average, seven hours of sleep is, is what we're aiming for. So if you're getting three, four hours of sleep a night, um, then that's where we need to start. How can I increase um, the amount of sleep I'm getting? If I'm getting, um, you know, eight ounces of water a day um, and that's it, then how can I increase? And, and so what I tell people is start where you are and build. So if I'm getting four hours of sleep, let me work to, to get it to five. What do I need to do? Do I need to look at what time I'm going to bed? Um, cause we want to go to bed and wake up at the same time, um, to establish consistency in our body when we can. Uh, so am I up on devices? Am I up talking to people about their shenanigans and foolishness at night interfering with me sleeping? Uh, so those are the things that I can start with in, in an easy way to do that is just log. Let me just kind of log what I'm doing now and then, Hey, well, let me add, um, four more ounces. Let me add eight more ounces. Let me add 30 minutes. Let me take off, um, this hour of TV time that I'm doing and replace it, right? So just starting with those kind of things, um, put a timer on so I can get these meals in, those kind of things. Um, then let's start getting into um, some things that are a little bit more in depth. One of the ways, one of the best ways to begin a self-care process once you got the basic needs down is to start with your emotional wellness. And you know, I'm, I'm really big on wellness plans because we don't have a plan. We don't know where we're going. So we as women really struggle and, and the stereotype is that women are very emotional. However, what is more accurate is that women often have a hard time expressing how they feel and then finding um, ways to be able to manage their emotions and that are healthy. So we don't like dealing with uncomfortable emotions. Like, hey, we're fine with joy and a lot of women are fine with, with, with a little anger. Um, but often we struggle with, with expressing anger, even in appropriate ways. Um, and, and we often struggle with, with being um, vulnerable or exposed in any kind of way. So feeling sad or feeling anxious or disappointed. Um, we don't like for people to see that. We don't like sitting in the space of those things. 
But in order for you to have good self-care, you have to have a good emotional vocabulary and you have to have some coping mechanisms to be able to deal with emotions in healthy ways. Um, so what does that mean? I need to identify the triggers to my emotions. I need to be able to express my emotions. You can very easily Google um, emotion charts and that will give you some vocabulary words to be able to express what you're feeling. Journaling is a good way to do that, really sitting with your emotions. Um, being able to say no is part of uh, emotional intelligence to articulate. I'm not taking on these additional things. I'm not going to continue to overextend myself. I'm not going to continue to put others before me. Uh, you, you need to be able to articulate your worth and value daily. And a lot of times we attach our worth against other people, but I need to attach my worth to me. How am I of value? What is, is about me person self? that is of value outside of, of me doing things for other people, being able to accept, accept our limitations, um, that we should not try to control everything and we cannot control everything. We wanna challenge the biases that we have about what we deserve. Uh, and, and oftentimes that means I need to be able to extend myself kindness, care for myself, show myself the love that I tend to show other people. And we wanna do things that evoke pleasant emotions. What are the things that give me joy, right? So um, I have to practice behaviors that will allow me to be able to have the kind of emotions I wanna have. Like when we feel um, that we're stuck a lot of times, we'll, we'll experience things like frustration more frequently. But if I feel like I'm doing things that are giving me joy, if I'm doing things that um, make me feel of worth and value that, that are nurturing my creativity, that are um, allowing me to feel replenished and refreshed, uh, refreshed, then I'm much more likely to be able to have happiness as one of the emotions that I feel every day. Relationship boundaries is huge. We want to create social wellness, right? So social wellness means that I need to be looking at the type of people that I'm inviting into my space. So one of the things I need to do as I'm taking stock of me is what do I enjoy? What do I actually like? What are some of the hobbies that I'm uh, interested in? What are some of the ways that I want to develop myself? And as I'm creating activities, then I want to think about who would I like to invite to do these activities with me? And this is where the honesty part comes in because I don't need to be inviting negative people into my space that complain about things. This goes back to the point of people aren't there for me when I try to do things, invite people to stuff they don't come because I've invited people that aren't going to be nurturing in my space anyway. They're probably critical. Um, they don't want to do things that aren't going to benefit them in some way. So I need to make sure that who I'm inviting is actually somebody that is interested in the things I'm interested in. And this may be, I'm joining a community organization. Um, I find a, a, a church home. I join a women's ministry, right? I join a, a group of women entrepreneurs. So other women with similar values is very important healthy women with similar values because there's plenty of people that will uh, be doing some of the same things that you're interested in that doesn't mean they're healthy so we want to make sure that they're that they're healthy people that we're in biting into this space and then i need to think about what kind of friend do i want to be what kind of friend do i want to have what kind of partner do i want to be what kind of partner do i want to have um, what kind of family member do i want to be who in the family is healthy for me to engage with, right? So those are some of the tough questions because sometimes we end up realizing we have to limit our interactions with people because I don't, I don't want to be in people in, in relationships with people who are violent 
or abusive or um, are going to exploit me or going to be pessimistic or going to be critical, aren't going to follow through. I can't trust um, and, and don't have interest outside of me because we also don't want to create these dependent relationships. We want to make sure that we have these, these healthy, independent relationships in our social wellness where I have friends, but I do things outside of my friends and I'm not relying on any one person and over taxing them. Right. Um, it is important that you set aside time to unwind. It can be in your car on the way home. You can leave your house if you're working from home and go to your car, go to your garage, go outside for a walk, go in the closet, go in the shower. I know that when you have children, you have to lock the bathroom door because they'll be trying to come in the bathroom with you. But you take that time, put on you some soothing music, do some mindfulness, some yoga, relaxation, deep breathing, um, progressive muscle relaxation during that time. And you want to track your self-care behavior so you can make sure that you actually are giving yourself time to engage in them. Um, that's the time where you can do your affirmations. That's the time where you can talk about what your values are, who you are. Um, be open and transparent with yourself. This is your me time. This is your safe space that you create for yourself. Um, this is when you can ask for what you need because you can write it down. Like, what am I really needing right now? What am I lacking? I need some help with the kids or I'm having some difficulty being able to finish a task. I may need to invite some people to help me clean my house. I'm overwhelmed. Um, get organized. I may uh, need some people to help me with meal prep because I'm, I'm having a hard time eating. Uh, in a healthy way or eating uh, consistently throughout the day. And this is also where you get to set time, your boundaries around your money, your time, your body, um, your, your space. So you begin to set these patterns of behavior by first looking inward and seeing, okay, where are my deficits, right? So we need to take stock of what are the areas that are out of balance. So what do I need to put me back in balance? Who are the people that would be able to do that in a healthy way? Spiritual wellness is also really, really important. And, and spiritual wellness encompasses a lot of things, not uh, just uh, specific to religion. So what kind of mark do I want to leave on this world? What do I want to do? Um, how, do how do I want to be remembered? Um, what are some of the values that are important to me? Abundance, acceptance, kindness, um, creativity, integrity, joy, uh, passion, liberation, justice. Um, strength, trust, right, love. So all of these things, forgiveness, gratitude, humility, humor, honor, these things are all aspects of, of spiritual wellness, uh, wellness. And sometimes in order for us to be able to create this wise mind, to have this discernment, then we need to be still and meditate and pray and listen to the sounds of nature around us and listen to things that are encouraging, people that are encouraging. Um, Physical wellness is very important as well uh, because we do need to be able to make sure that that car is running, right? Those tires are balanced, those oil changes. So that's my nutrition, making sure that I'm eating things that are going to fuel me and not make me sick, that I'm getting physical activity because that reduces my risk factors for a lot of illnesses, but it's also a very healthy way for me to reduce stress. Um, I put on those clean clothes. I comb my hair. Uh, right. I take care of myself when I'm sick. So I stop. <laughs> right. This is a women have a hard time doing this. Um, we can take care of other folks, tell them what to do. But then when it comes time for us to take that rest, we have a hard time doing that. So I need to rest and take care of myself when I'm not well. Um, physically, I also want to make sure that I do things that are going to allow me to be able to build 
on my strength, right? So I'm taking those stairs. I'm parking further away. I'm, I'm doing yard work. I'm um, walking while I'm talking on the phone. I'm, I'm dancing while I'm cooking. Um, I am taking care of my skin, my hair and my nails. Um, things that my teeth, we often neglect our dental hygiene and our vision, um, our eye care, right? Because all of these things work together too to create a well me. That, that I'm taking care of my vaginal health. Um, oftentimes, women aren't making gynecological appointments once a year, right? We're not doing our, our, our annuals, checking our breasts, right? So we need to be doing those kind of things because those are prevention-based things. So that means if anything happens, I can catch it early and I can attend to it and not have it to where it's at stage three and four of some significant illness because I haven't dealt with it, okay? So you, are worth it. Take good care of you because we need you. All right, guys, be encouraged.